Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Well, welcome Soul Church. Hey, have a seat. Great to be with you. And uh, we had a great 8.30 service, but come on, how many know this is the best service of them all? And uh, in Texas, we have multiple services, and our last service of the day is our hungover service, but our middle service are the people that love God with all their heart. The early service, they couldn't sleep, and they'd come to church, so they don't even know why they're here. My wife is here of 31 years. This is my wife, Lori. And... um, we, we, our oldest son, Mason, and his wife went back to London, and uh, they wanted to go see the war rooms. They live in Washington, D.C., and then our second son is Connor. He's 25, stand-up Reagan, and his new fiance. they, uh, stay up, they, so the plan was uh, originally just for our family to come, and then we said, why don't you bring Reagan and ask Kurt, because the plan was to get engaged in Florida. I said, why don't you bring Reagan, and you guys get engaged, and they got engaged in York, right there by the church, and so they are actually not going back to America. They're going to stay as UK members of this church, and so like Jackson, we would love to leave all of our children here in the UK, but... Uh, have a seat, Connor. Great to have you. You're 25. And of course, you already met Jackson. Now, one of the things that will come with Jackson is a $100,000 dowry. If you marry him, you get $100,000 uh, today in euros, uh, but you have to be under 22. Okay, so uh, we know that Pastor John's mom is single, and we did not want her. Uh, where is your, is your mom here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you? There she is. Yeah, you said last night you're single. And uh, I thought you were trying to talk to Jackson a little bit too much, but that's okay. Uh, He's in ministry and he's used to being around weird people. And so um, I'm not saying you're weird. I'm just saying that we're used to that. Um, So your pastors and our family and their family, your family, we've known each other from a distance with the Hillsong Connection and the world. Your pastor, Steve, who's out speaking today and other members of your staff I've known through different relationships and and the the kingdom of God uh, is large but it's also small at the same time and and we have loved your pastors and we have loved this church from afar many of the friends that you have on a regular basis are our friends same speakers same flow same family and uh, it's just been our joy to um, to just get to know them better and to be with you and to meet you because what's happening in this, in this church, as you guys all are aware, is not normal, it's not average, it's not supposed to happen, especially in, in this place, and especially in a town that often, where they would say, God even forgot. But how many know God has a plan for this city, and he has a plan for this region? I, uh, I, Lori and I and the family, we, we arrived in London last Monday. Lori and I, were we have a campus in Naples, Italy. And uh, somebody's like, oh, that's so sad. And um, some people accuse us of doing a campus, a campus in Naples so we could be at the Amalfi Coast whenever we are there. And that's partly true. And, um, and then Mason and Connor, or Mason and his wife Caroline came from Paris, and then we all gathered in London. 
and uh, stayed a couple of days in London, and then we drove through Oxford, and then we went to York and spent a couple of days, and uh, then spent the night in Cambridge, and uh, had a great time there yesterday, and then arrived last night, and uh, frankly don't want to go. But I've been, I've been corrected. Everywhere I would go, I'd say, we're going to Norwich. And uh, I got rebuked, like I was a false prophet or something. And so, it's, of course, it's Norwich. And I've learned, the only way I can remember it is that Norwich rhymes with porridge. And so if you are not aware of how to say your city's name, there's the revelation for you as to why you came to church. Um, Lori and I, 31 years of marriage and ministry, our first date, uh, she sang, I preached. We've been doing that ever since. Uh, we moved to Austin 21 years ago, a city that is very un-Texas, very uh, anti, if you will, anti-church, uh, very resistant to God. It's, it's not like what a lot of people would think uh, as it relates to Texas. It's um, not really pro-Bible or pro-Jesus. And so at the same time, it's why we're there. Uh, it's what we love. Uh, you may say, I wish I lived... I wish I lived in a Christian city. No, no, you don't. You, you really want to be around normal people, to be honest with you. Uh, I've had people say, Pastor Joe, I wish I worked in a Christian environment. I want to be on your staff. I said, you haven't met our staff yet. Stay in the secular world. And uh, you and I are on this planet for such a time as this. Paul, he wrote to Titus and he said, God left you in Crete because there are problems there. I left you in Crete. You are in Crete to straighten things out. Do you realize that's why you're on this planet? As a man or a woman that knows Jesus. So that you will have an impact in a world that is filled with problems. And I said this, and I'm going to say it to you as by way of introduction. You're either going to be the kind of person that is problem conscious. In other words... Problems is what you wake up with. Problems is what you're constantly thinking about. We woke up with another COVID problem today. Or you're going to wake up every day saying, I'm purpose conscious. In other words, I wake up because I have a purpose. God has a plan and God is working through me, his plan, his purpose, his cause. And you wake up and you're going to live one of two ways. You're going to either live with the awareness that this world is full of problems or you're going to wake up with the awareness that God has a purpose and a plan. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know anything about God. Certainly didn't go to a church like this. This would have been the church that my parents would have said, you're not going to. They would have probably allowed me to go to a Hare Krishna event or some other kind of situation. But I was not raised in church. My mom, my dad, wonderful people, but they were post-World War II. Dad came out of the war there in Germany and mom and dad met in college and university in the late 40s. Then my dad was a professional football player and a professional football coach in the, what is called in the American football, the NFL. And I was raised in that world on Sundays and weekends. I was raised around famous American athletes. And it was a wonderful growing up experience and, and being in that world. And, uh, but yet never heard God's name, never, never heard a prayer prayed, never, never saw a Bible opened, never, never did. In fact, I would say to my parents, how come we don't go to church like the rest of like the rest of the neighborhood, even at Christmas or at Easter. And my parents would say, because we know enough about God that if we go at Easter, we're going to go the week after Easter. Or if we're going to go at Christmas, we're going to go the week after Christmas. God wants all or nothing. And frankly, they taught me how to have this, 
if you will, a fear of the Lord or even a, a respect and an honor to the name of the Lord. And they said, but we also know that God is real. And we believe that Jesus died on the cross. But, but for us, that's just not our way of life. And so my brothers and I, we were not raised in church. And then when I was about 14 years of age, two of my father's players told me for the first time that, Joe, you're not on this planet just by random act or coincidence. You're not just some animal, but that you were created. Man was created in God's image and God's likeness. And through the fall and through that experience in the garden, Adam and Eve, our forefathers, our original mom and dad, they did what God told them not to do. And the Bible says through their act of disobedience, through pride that says we are going to do what we want to do, through that act of pride and disobedience, sin entered into the world. And man tried to get back to God. In fact, God would give them commandments, but they would break them. And then, of course, there would ultimately come the manifestation of God's love when he said, that God so loved us that he sent his only, his one and only son. And this is what these two players were telling me. I'd never heard this before. And they said, Joe, this is what Christ came because we couldn't save ourselves. We're not holy enough. We're not good enough. There's no one righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the mark of God. Doesn't matter how close you may think you are to miss the mark is to miss the mark. Whether it's missing it by a mile or missing it by a, an inch. To miss the mark is to miss the mark. God wanted you and I to be saved and through grace sent the one who and the only one who could hit the target. He was perfect. He was holy. He was righteous, but he was also the Lamb of God. And he died to take away your sins and my sins forever. And he would write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, Joe. And these are two NFL players, two professional football players in America who I know are not... Football in America is not the same kind of man as a football player in the UK. You guys have real men in this country. Amen. <laughs> In fact, we went to the Chelsea game Tuesday night against Juventus. And uh, I've never been more packed. I've, I've, never, I've never felt crunched like I did going to that game. And I will tell you, we did not show up wearing Juventus uh, colors. We showed up like we belonged in Chelsea. Because we heard, you don't show up in the enemy's colors. You show up acting like I was from Chelsea. And I sure did. I go, hey, what's up? I, I, you and so... Uh, we, we won, Chelsea won, and then we thought, well, we always hear that people have some fights during or after the game, and we're on our way back to the hotel, and all of a sudden, the fight broke out. <laughs> Two Chelsea fans started beating each other up. Our life was complete, and uh, so I heard the gospel through these two NFL players, and it was that time when I said, Jesus... Save me. I did. I got on my knees, literally, and I said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And um, I would go, of course, back to high school and finish out high school, and my parents would retire from their career. And then dad and mom moved back to Louisiana, South Louisiana, Mississippi. Yeah, the party's continuing to go on, Chantel. And uh, Sam, actually, where is Sam? Sam is your, is he your youth minister? Yeah, Sam. Yeah, your age group pastor, is that what you call him? And he was supposed to send off the, the last uh, cannon at the party at 8.30, and he couldn't make it. I think you guys took away the job. I didn't see him in, the, in this service. I think evidently he just popped one back there in the back. Uh, but uh, all that to be said is that now my parents moved back to Mississippi, Louisiana, south in the south of America, and I go to a large university where I play football there. And then, then God spoke to me for the first time in my life, if you will. I heard the whisper of God. I am now 23 years of age. I'm on a deer stand. 
Now, I gave my life to Christ at 14. Now we're talking 23. I'm, I'm in and out of church. I, I'm, I'm in church. I'm out of church. I'm on fire for God. Then I fall off. And I'm walking with God one day. And then I'm gone the next. And, and I'm on this deer stand and I, in the middle of these woods, literally. And I hear what I would describe as the whisper of God. Today will be the greatest day of your life. And you will never be the same after today. And I thought, I'm going to kill the world's largest deer and travel all over the world and become famous. And, but I knew this was true. It was a whisper, but it was a very clear word. Today will be the greatest day of your life. You'll never be the same after this day. January the 10th, 1987. And I finished the hunt with my uncle, and I get to my car, and there I get the news that my dad's being rushed to the hospital with a heart attack. And I get in my car, and I now know God is working all things. It doesn't say all things are good, Romans 8. It doesn't say all things are good. It just says all things will, what? Work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Called according to purpose. He never calls you. Have you ever had somebody call you? Hey. Hey. What you doing? Nothing. What you doing? Nothing. Why are you calling me? I don't know. I don't have time for this, Lori. <laughs> and I hang up on her. And God never calls you except for purpose. He doesn't call and go, hey, what's up? Let's just hang. No. He doesn't do that. And God never moves except by purpose. He, he never moves except that there's a, a reason, there's a cause, there's a, there's a plan. He's a very strategic and very efficient God. And he whispers these words to me. You'll never be the same after today. It's going to be the greatest day of your life. Now I get the news. Dad's on his way to the hospital with a heart attack. I get to that same hospital. And with my mom standing there, I said, Mom, I'll be right back. And I walked down into the small water closet bathroom. And I just said to the Lord in that room, I said, God, you have it. I heard you today. Regardless of what happens to Dad, regardless of if he's... If he's saved or not, I'm going to trust you. From this moment on, I know you have spoken to me. My dad died that day. And I can honestly say that the greatest day of my life and the day that has forever marked me could naturally will also be the worst day of my life. But see, this is, this is the message of God. Though, if you will, Christ dies, he gives his life, and of course, the disciples did not expect this, nor did they want this, though Jesus said over and over, I'm going to die, and they're going to persecute me, and they're going to, they're going to rip me to pieces, and he said, but hey, don't, don't lose heart, I'm going to come back to life, but these things have to happen, and when it happened, they couldn't get it. They couldn't understand it, and of course, the Bible tells us, they began to drift, and they began to go their way, and he would appear back to them. And maybe, maybe you're in that moment right now where you are expecting what God said was going to be the greatest day or the greatest time or the greatest season and a curveball or, if you will, a shift and a change all of a sudden comes and this is not what you expected it to be. But now this is where faith kicks in. This is where now faith has to take over. And it's not by feelings and it's not by what you see. And in fact, the Bible tells us we don't walk by what? We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And on that day, January the 10th, 1987, I said yes to God. Listen, I said yes to God's purpose. See, when I was 14, I was converted to salvation. 
Now at 23, on January the 10th, I'm going to be converted to my purpose. See, some people are only converted to heaven. Jesus, forgive me my sins. I don't want to go to hell. Hell is hot. Heaven's better. Come into my life. Amen. Yea, God. And you hope you're saved. Now, that measure or that even understanding of salvation is not even, well, it's a stretch biblically. But let's just say, for that, there are many people in that realm of that category. But many people are not converted into their calling or to their purpose for why they were saved. See, you'll never know God just in that first, if you will, that first prayer. Lord, forgive me my sins come into my heart. I don't want to die and go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Amen. You see, many people never, in fact, I think that's what John 10, when Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. I think that life is eternal life. But the abundant life is the enjoyment or it's the manifestation of that life now. You see, when you're living for your calling and your purpose, your, your first conversion is to bring you to heaven. The second, if you will, the second understanding or why you were saved is to bring heaven to earth. See, that's, a, that's now, instead of just living to go to heaven, now you live for the Christmas wonder. Now you don't go to church. No. Now you begin to lay down your life for other people. And now everything and everywhere you go is about his calling. It's about his purpose. It's about his life. I went back to LSU. I went back to my last year. And then now I knew that then God had called me to ministry. And, and then Lori and I would meet and we would be youth pastors. I'd start in 89 and then 90 we were married and we were youth pastors and co-pastors and senior pastors. And then 21 years ago, God, the most second most dramatic day of my life was when the Lord would whisper these words, it is Austin. And some days I wish he would have said it is Norwich, but he didn't. He said it is Austin. And Lori and I had never been to this city, never knew a single person from this city, had never been to that place. That was part of our prayer. Lord, put us in a city that you want us to go to, and there we will spend the rest of our life. And, and from that city, we want to change the world. And the Lord would whisper that day. I've only really, frankly, described as the voice of God coming twice dramatically in my life. If you hear from people, if somebody tells you that they hear from God every day, what to buy, what to get at the grocery, run for your life. <laughs> Because when God gives you a word, some people have heard more from God than Elijah or Elisha put together. Usually God's way and method is he gives you a word and you will run on that word for the rest of your life. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't whisper. I'm not saying that you will be an impression. I'm not saying that he doesn't talk to you from the book. But I am just telling you that most of us have never been obedient to the first word that he told us. So why would he give us more words that we haven't been to obedient in the first measure or the first letter? All that to be said. He speaks to us, goes to Austin, and uh, for 21 years we've been in that city and God's provided miracles. And it's much like this city. It's much like your church and what God is doing in this church is very much like what's happening in our church and in the city that is very comparable, in a city that is very difficult, a city that doesn't really, frankly, want you there, a city that we, we've had protests and we've had just, anti, just an anti-Christ spirit. But that's why we're there. That's why we're there. And I want to say all that to say that maybe since you gave your life to Christ, I'm looking at so many of the young people that are here. 
And I promise you, many of you young guys, what are you, 16, 17? How old are you? 18, I was getting there. That was my next number. I know how to count. I know many of you have probably said yes to Jesus, and it's probably cost you some friends. I'm sure it's probably cost you some family members. My brother said, Joe, when I gave my life to Christ, I have two very strong, opinionated alpha brothers, a two-star general and a retired Marine Corps fighter pilot colonel. And they said, if you give your life to Christ, you're going to be wasting your God-given talent on God. I went, isn't that the whole purpose of giving my talent back to God? If it came from God, it belongs to God. And many, I'm sure, in this room, especially in the environment, the spiritual environment that is in this region and in this world that we're living in now, but in particular Norwich, that rhymes with porridge, I know that many of you have had to pay a price. And the price is not the price that you have to pay concerning the world. The price is always concerning your closest friends and family. The biggest price you'll pay is in relationship to your closest relationships. That's just the law. David said, I was anointed in the presence of my enemies. When David was anointed king, those enemies in his presence were who? His brothers. Joseph. Joseph suffered at the hands of his brothers. And in many... Oswald Chambers says this, that when in consideration of our calling and when we're considering following Jesus all the way, we don't consider, in fact, we don't take what it's going to cost us as the priority. We often think, what is it going to cost our family members by me following Christ? I had to come to a place where I had to say, I love you as my brother's. But I will never allow your love or my love for you to outlove my calling and my Christ. And if you never talk to me because I follow Christ, I have to be okay with that. That is not my prayer, and that is certainly not my desire. But Jesus said, if any man cannot love me more than he loves his mother, his brothers, his family, cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, I did not come to bring what? Peace. But I came to bring a sword. And then he begins to describe the separation and the difference that comes in family. Through the dynamic of family. I wish it wasn't that way. But that's just the way it is. And it's the way Jesus said it has to be. And I want to share just some thoughts because I want to lead into what I believe is an important message for the season that this church is in. I want to talk about five revelations or let's call them discoveries. Let's call them keys ingredients to a life that is going to be fulfilled. Again, it's back to are you going to be problem conscious or are you going to be purpose conscious? Do you wake up only feeling what you got to deal with or do you wake up aware that God is with you and he is going to lead you and guide you and he has nothing but good things for you? In the book of Revelation, in fact, the book of Joshua, I'll get to Revelation in a minute. But in the book of Joshua, the Bible tells us, Joshua, in Joshua chapter 5, I want you to go there with me. Joshua is now the leader. Joshua, we know, is now in charge. Moses is dead. And God says it just like that in Joshua chapter 1. He says, Moses is dead. My servant Moses is gone. Joshua, it's time to grow up. 
It's over. Moses is, he's long gone. You're now the adult in the room. How many parents don't feel like the adult in the room most of the time? I'm leading three big boys. They're all six, five, six, six, and, and they're strong and, 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 and life-giving. And, and at the same time, I just don't feel like most of the time a dad. I'm 57. I should feel like a dad by now, but I don't. I feel like I'm still 17. How many know what I'm talking about? But I acted like a, that's why gray hair is a crown. It's a lie is really what it means. And um, the, the truth is, is that there comes a moment, there comes a time like Joshua where he is, in fact, let's pick up the story in five and 13. It comes about that Joshua now is about to have his first battle. Now, Joshua is a battler. He's a fighter. He's a warrior. He, he's, he's not, he's not a, a rookie when it comes to, to taking people out and cutting people. And so he is now outside of the city of Jericho. He's been commanded by God to lead them into the inheritance, into the promised land. But there are the strongholds or toeholds. Let me tell you about a hold or a stronghold. Stronghold is because of a toehold. This is like when the door is trying to be shut. Have you ever had somebody shut the door on you, but you're trying to get in the door? You stick your toe in there, and then you try to get your foot in there. Then you try to wedge your body in there to get or to take back possession. Or if your husband is not letting you in the room, you're like, I'm going to kill you. And so the reality is, is that Jericho and these other cities are toeholds like AI or strongholds. And they are now tightly shut and they're not going to let the children of Israel in. It's the same thing with you. It's the whole battle that you're facing right now. That you're saved and you're called and maybe you're very aware that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But let me just tell you, there's territory that Satan doesn't want you to take. He doesn't want you to have influence in this city. He doesn't want you to have influence in your career. He's going to do whatever he can to keep this church from arriving at its destiny or its inheritance. Now, when you look at the book of Joshua, always remember Joshua's sister book in the New Testament is the book of Ephesians. And it is the picture and a type of inheritance, taking possession, taking the land. This is not a picture of heaven. Heaven is not the promised land. Because how many know when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to evict people out of our heavenly home? Can I hear an amen? amen? You're not going to have squatters in your house that the Bible talks about a mansion or a place. You're not going to have to go, hey, this is my house, out. No, it doesn't say that. So we're not going to have to dispossess when we get to heaven. But you do have to, even after salvation, after you say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, I believe in you. I believe that you're the one true and living God who's alive and here through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just tell you, Satan's greatest plan is to keep you from being who you've been called to be, but also from where he wants you to be, where God has ordained you to be. So Joshua's now trying to figure this out. And he's overlooking that which is Jericho. And as he lifts up his eyes, behold, there's a man standing opposite of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua, again, who's a, man, let me just tell you, Joshua was a warrior. He was a, if there was a gang member in the Bible, this was Joshua, right? He'll cut you. And um, Joshua sees the man with a sword and he goes immediately to him. He runs to him. He's not afraid. And he wants to know, what colors are you wearing? Are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you for Chelsea or Norwich? 
And he said, no, verse 14, no, neither. In fact, he says, I am captain of the Lord of hosts. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he bowed down and he said, what has my what? My Lord. I believe this was a type in a picture of Christ. Joshua, Yeshua. I, I do believe that in all of this, we're seeing God show up literally in the presence of Joshua. But I believe it was a type in a picture of Christ, if not Christ himself. He calls him Lord. He says, what do you want me to do? What do you have for me? And he says, the captain of the Lord of hosts says to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you were standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Next verse, next chapter, same conversation. There is not a difference in when this is happening. Sometimes we read chapters as though the next day or the next year. No, this is exactly in the same moment. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one was going out and no one was coming in. Sounds like COVID several thousand years ago. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, look, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and all of its valiant warriors now march and go. Let me give you five discoveries or revelations. And I really want you to see it in the light of revelation. I've had major surgeries over the last year in my left eye. I've had, I've had one detached retina after another. I went from being completely healthy and all is normal to having tear after tear and now detachment after detachment. I've got two more surgeries scheduled after Christmas. And hopefully as they've had to put a buckle, a bu a buckle and a bubble in my eye. I have an oil bubble. If you need any gas, you can come and I will put my eyeball up to your car and download. But I've got this bubble and I've got this buckle and, and hopefully everything continues to go. It could happen in the other eye. I'm not believing for it. But the reality is all of a sudden my vision. And so when I talk about vision, it's very near and dear to my heart. I've been driving a 15-passenger van on the wrong side of the road as an American for the last seven days. As God is my witness, there's $3,000 of damage to my van because I backed up into a brick wall. <laughs> if your car parked in a team changes tires, do they do body work? <laughs> I'm going to find out how good a church this church really is. Because <laughs> I need a paint job and body work. Is it true, guys? Yes. And my tail light is out. Um, number one, Joshua, Joshua, I think discovered or had the revelation of the power of God's word. All of a sudden, he's looking, he's walking, he's problem filled. Watch this. He's problem conscious going, how am I going to take this city? How am I going to get these people into the promised land? How am I going to lead? How am I going to be what God has called me to be? And all of a sudden, here comes the word of God to him. Let me tell you something. You have no hope without the word of God. You have no hope. You will wake up, and I'm just telling you, COVID is not going to go away in all of our worlds. It, they've created a whole new industry. I'm not going to politicize this. I'm just telling you, there's a world that they're not going to let go now. So guess what? You better get into this book and you better live by this word because Jesus said, and I'm not anti or this or that. I'm just telling you that the only way that Jesus said in the last days, people are going to prevail is the word of God. 
He goes, don't you labor for the food that perishes, but labor for the food that endures to eternal life. He told those that were seeking miracles. He says, guys, you come for me for miracles. He says, but I don't want you to come for me for miracles. I want you to come for the word because miracles come and go. The disciples came back saying, we saw Satan fall like lightning. We bad to the bone. And Jesus said, don't rejoice that Satan is subject to you, but rejoice that your name is what? Written in the land's book of life. In the book, the book. He brings it back to the word, the book. Rejoice in the book. Rejoice in the book. All you have is this Bible. I'm just telling you right now. Pastor Joe, I, I, no, I have the Holy Spirit. That's true. I have the church. That's true too. But let me tell you, you can be in the church, but if you're not in this book, this church will not be what it's called to be. This book is our life. It is our life. What did he tell Joshua in the first chapter? Be diligent to keep the words of this book so that you will prosper and be successful. Come on, soul church. Are you with me? Number one, the word of God. Number two, the second revelation that he had, he's out there by himself. Number two, he discovered that he was not alone. I think Joshua all of a sudden, because Joshua's a warrior. Joshua's on the battlefield. Joshua is, he, he's, used to, he's used to being by himself. That's what often great leaders have to adjust to. And now he's out there, and I'm sure he's trying to figure out how's he going to do this. And God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. You need to study the I am's of God. I am with you. I am with you in the water. I am with you in the fire. There was a time when Paul the apostle in Acts chapter 18... Paul was going through a very difficult time, as he often did. And the Bible tells us God in the nighttime vision spoke to him. And he says, Paul, I want you to no longer be afraid. What does that tell you? Paul was afraid. I really do believe I'm talking to some people, maybe online, that have been in a season of fear for the last several months. Like Paul. And God says, that fear's got to stop. But here's what he said. I have many people with you. You're not alone. Here's the third revelation. I got to go real quick because the music is going to start to play. Number three. You got to realize, Joshua, you're not in charge. You're not in control. The Bible says he bowed at the feet of God. You know what worship is? You know why we, you know why we say get your hands up? And we don't force anybody to do it, but you know why the Bible says get your hands up? It gets your hands off of controlling your life. How many have ever been on a roller coaster? It goes better with your hands off the bar. Now, I don't ride roller coasters anymore because I get sick and my neck hurts. But I remember as a young lad, I would ride those roller coasters and get your hands up, even if it was a kiddie roller coaster. And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it gets addictive. And let me just tell you something. The greatest day of your life is when you realize there is a God in control. Now, Joshua was a control freak. And some of you are control freaks. It's why you're successful. But it's also what is causing you some trouble. The stress that many of you are under is you're a control freak. God says, get down in worship bow before me. Here's the fourth one. He discovered that his life was to be holy. He was on holy ground. Joshua, this is holy. Let me just tell you something. 
When you said yes to, how many have said yes to Jesus? How many have said, okay, who has not, I like to do the opposite. I like reversal altar calls. How many have never said yes to Jesus? You've never said, so why didn't your hand go up the first time? So where are you? The reality is that when you say yes to Jesus, there's nothing secular. And there's nothing to be, if you will, there's, there's nothing in your life that is not to be God-led and God-ordained and God-aware. Joshua, this is not secular, this is not natural, but Joshua hears what he wants him to hear. You're not going to do what I've called you to do with sin in your life. And when I mean sin in your life, I'm not talking perfection. I'm talking about what John says over and over. If any man says he loves God and continues to live in habitual sin, has never met God. It's just, it's just a fact. Now, do we sin? He says. In fact, John gives us these things. Anybody that says he has not sinned makes God a liar. But if anybody continues to practice in habitual sin and doesn't repent, his life's a lie too. So what is he saying? What is he giving us? He's giving us this contrast that that's just the way it is in life. There is a wrestling. There is a conviction. There are these days that you've got to make choices and moment by moment choices that you have to make. That says, I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to live angry. I don't want to live mad. I don't want to live unholy. God, it says, anointed his son Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1 with the oil of joy and gladness. Why? It's a very clear formula. He loved righteousness. He hated wickedness. Therefore, God anointed him with the oil of joy. Hebrews and Romans 14, 17 tells us righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom of God. Watch this. If there's a formula in the Bible, here it is. Righteousness produces peace, which produces joy by the power or the wrapping of the Holy Spirit. There is no peace, and there will never be joy if there's not righteousness. You, you just, you can't, you can't. Oftentimes people say, Pastor Joe, I just need some peace. Well, how's your relationship to your wife? I can't stand the old hag. Well, guess what? I can't pray for peace. Pastor Joe, I'm just not a happy person. Why? Well, I'm addicted to whatever, or I, I know that I need to do this, or I need to let go of that. And Well, that's it. God doesn't, watch this, joy is the signal of his pleasure. Joy is the sign or the signal that you're good with God. Does it mean perfect? Never. Even David was not perfect, but watch this. Even David in his sin with Bathsheba and his adulterous situation, his murder of Uriah, it says God's heart or David's heart never turned from God. David had that year and a half until the prophet Nathan said, it's time for you to get right. You're the man. And what did David pray in Psalm 51? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. See, David knew for a year and a half he had no joy because he was in sin. And then lastly, number five. The greatest discovery is this. It's already accomplished. The victory has already been won. The city... David, uh, Joshua, the city. All I need you to do is look at it. It's yours. It's already in your hand. I want you to take your hand out right now. I want you to look at it. Look at it. 
Look at that old hand that you got right there. That unwashed, unsanitized hand. Don't lick it. Don't do anything with it. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. Joshua, I've given the city in your hand. That's how close the victory is. There it is. It's yours. It's already been done. It's finished. Can I just tell you something? All you have to do is go. You've been in a series called Go, haven't you? All we have to do is go. Invite. Go and be. Not do, Christians. Or do witnessing. Be a witness. God never said do witnessing. He said be a witness. And if you'll go, he says, I've already gone ahead of you. It's done. This city is saved by faith. Do we yet see it? No. Do we, do, we, do we still see Of course we see it. But let me tell you something. By faith, I wake up going, this city, Norwich, that rhymes with porridge, belongs to God. We're going to be in revival. I want you to stand to your feet all over this place today. Here are the five. What do we say? Number one. What's the first one? The Word of God. The first discovery. Guys, get this. You're not going to live very long without the Word. And that Bible is the Word of God from cover to cover. If you don't have a Bible, oh, I don't have a Bible. In America, they provide Bibles in hotels. I always say, go steal one out of one of those hotels. I have no problem with that. Take it. Number two, you're not alone. You might have walked in here all by yourself or feeling like nobody's with you. I'm here to tell you, God is with you. This word, me coming all the way from Austin, Texas for Chantel's birthday. God brought me here to tell you, you're not by yourself. Number three, you're not in charge. Give the control. Let, hey, cast your cares upon him. Number four, walk in holiness. Say, Lord, I, want, I don't want to grieve your heart. I don't want to miss your will. I, Lord, cleanse me, wash me. And number five, man, he's already accomplished. He's already done. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just say this. In fact, how many would say, Pastor Joe, I needed this word one of five. One of those or all of those speak to me today. Let me see your hand all over this place. Who said this was a waste of time and I wish I didn't come to church today and let COVID spread the world? No. I, again, can we just extend our hands to heaven, whether you're a believer or not? Say this with me. Jesus, my life is yours. I trust you. Today and forever. From this moment on, I don't belong to myself. I belong to you. In your name I pray. And everybody said, come on, let's give the Lord a clap of praise in this place today. Yeah. Come on, let's thank Pastor Joe Champion. What a great word. Put some love in the chat online. Wow, that was a good feed. Do you feel nourished today, spiritually nourished? And I encourage you, the Bible says, don't just be hearers, but be doers, which means be appliers to the word. Apply that to your Monday. And it's great, isn't it? The word of God. We never, ever, ever can get enough of this book. So I encourage you. I pray that you don't feel condemned for not reading it. I just pray you feel hungry today, hungry to read it more today. So, hey, if you prayed that prayer at the end and accepted Christ to be a Savior, or you want some more information around faith and Christianity and 
making that first step decision, please, our team will be in the atrium. They'll be holding the Bibles in the air and encourage you. We want to give you, you don't have to go to the local hotel and take a Bible. Okay, we'll give you one here, all right? So, okay, we'll take you to step. But we, we have Bibles, and uh, they're, in, they're, they're, in a, they're in a translation that you'll be able to understand, an everyday translation. They've also got great stories of people whose lives have been transformed by this decision. So our team will be out there in the atrium. Please take a Bible and uh, come back to church as well. We have online church, we have in the room church, we have groups midweek as well that meet and encourage you to get part of a small group. It's so important. We do community, we do life together. So thank you, Pastor. That was a brilliant word. And we're so honored to have you and Pastor Laurie and your three children and their families with us. So thank you. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.